I'm Jimmy Alexander, and welcome to Out with Jimmy. It's the podcast where members of the LGBTQ plus community share their coming out stories with you. First, I want to start off by saying happy Pride Month, and thank you for listening. Also, if you want to follow me on social media, it's Out with Jimmy Alexander on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, while you're online, uh, please go to uh, Apple Podcast and click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And also, while you're there, it sure would help if you wrote a nice review and gave us as many stars as you possibly can. Now, this week, uh, not only is it the end of Pride Month, uh, it was a special moment for me because DCW50, the TV station that I do work for in Washington, D.C., gave me an assignment to interview Deacon McCuban and his husband, Jim Bennett. Now, Deacon started, and he and Jim ran together, the Lambda Rising bookstores, which were the first LGBTQ plus bookstores in Washington, D.C., and they had other uh, stores around the area. Now, Deacon, 45 years ago, in 1975, started the first and continuing um, Gay Pride Day that is now known as Capital Pride here in Washington, D.C., uh, they really have done so much for our community, and I'm so thrilled to have them on. Now, we're going to start as we do each week. Uh, the first question for Deacon is, who was the first person he looked at and admitted to that he was gay? It was a, a, a guy named Brian who was a little younger than me, and um, we had become very, very good friends. He was, he was a straight guy. He had beautiful long blonde hair. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, we became good friends working in, the, we were in the church group together and doing coffee house stuff together and whatever. Uh, and then we started double dating together and, uh, and I grew very, very close to him. I just, I loved, I loved him. And, uh, I got to feeling really guilty about not being open with him and honest. And, uh, after about six months or so went by one night, we took the girls home and dropped them off. And then I drove him to his place. And before he got out of the car, I said that there's something that's really been bugging me for a while, and I, and I feel like I've not been honest with you. And I want to want you, I want to tell you now, I'm gay. I, I'm homosexual. And his response was, "Shit, is that all you've been worried about? I knew that all along. I don't give a fuck." <laughs> <laughs> and oh, the lift. I mean, you know, the the weight yes. off my shoulders just vanished. And at that point, he meant more to me than anybody in the world. And if he didn't care, I didn't care who did. And so I just, the doors came off the hinges and I've been open ever since. And I brought, vowed never to lie about it. And I never have, including in some cases where it was a little dicey. <laughs> but I have never lied about it. I remember the first time I ever walked into a gay bar in Norfolk, Virginia. It was a bar called the Continental. You really do like sailors. <laughs> I do, yeah. <laughs> I've always loved sailors. Seafood is delicious. Um, well, I grew up in Norfolk, and yes. that's, that's what we have there, you know, the sailors. Um, but the Continental was a, a wonderful little bar, but I remember walking around downtown, around and around a block, for probably two hours before I got up the nerve to turn down the side street where, where the Continental was. Um, what year was that? That would have been... Oh, what year was that? That would have been probably 60... Two, three, four, or something like that. A so, long time ago. I hope you didn't tell me you're a Goldwater guy back then. But any, um, <laughs> uh, I don't think it came. Up. <laughs> <laughs> How nervous were you when you walked in those doors? I was scared to death. I absolutely scared to death. 
until I got inside and almost immediately met this gorgeous drag queen <laughs> who immediately took me under her wing. And, um, and then I met three or four other guys who were there, a couple of sailors, as a matter of fact. Imagine that. Jim, are you surprised that the six <laughs> foot, the six foot four um, young man walking in is, is treated warmly by everybody? And that's that. the point. They were treating me warmly. They were treating, it's like, oh, I must be an old friend or something. You know, that's what we, that was the, that was the feeling that, that we had. And, uh, uh, and it wasn't a great bar. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a, kind of a dive, but, but it was a wonderful, wonderful experience that I had there. We met in a bar. We met, we in, met in a bar, yeah. In town. In uh, fraternity house. house. Fraternity house, yeah, which and, became Omega, and then now it's a private residence. And he was rude to me. Jim, yeah. <laughs> how are you rude? Well, at that time I was going to University of Maryland and I was living with a woman uh, we had a great relationship. Living with a woman as if you were dating her or living as I a woman? I was living with her. Okay. Just a roommate? No. Oh, we were, we were dating. No. Oh, we, yeah. were, we were uh, girlfriends and boyfriends. Okay. We were Jim, I'm Jimmy and I've been there. <laughs> she was great. I, I, I loved her. She was a wonderful woman. Um, she had girls night out. I had boys yeah. night out. <laughs> well, she had no idea what boys night out meant to me. <laughs> So I would travel into the city, and from memory, I would try to find, you know, the bar, the fraternity house, because someone had shown me once, but it wasn't, I didn't have a book or a guide, yeah. I didn't know about Bob Devron's guide or, you know, any of that. So I went to the uh, frat house, the fraternity house, and I was there early because I didn't know better, you know? <laughs> I didn't know it got busy later on. So I was um, just kind of walking around the bar and stuff like that. And I was kind of in a little area leaning up against a cigarette machine and he walks by and says hello to me. And I kind of roll my eyes and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, a homosexual is talking to me. <laughs> I'm in a gay bar. <laughs> How you dare the homosexual be so bored? It's like, you know, cause everything up until then had to be secret. Everything had to be closeted and it wasn't a good time. So then I went off and I, uh, stayed at the bar and I started playing pinball and he's and, like, I, and I went back to the bar because I wasn't going to I mean we're really he's being rude to me I was like to talk to him yeah, so you're I six just, foot four you have other fellows you can meet <laughs> yeah well, seriously actually I didn't I wasn't there to meet anybody I was there early too and I went there early intentionally because I didn't really want to meet anybody I wasn't in the mood for dating I had been in a three year relationship with another wonderful man uh, that had ended finally and we ended as friends and remained friends in fact he was Jim's best man when we got married. Oh, I do, yeah. <laughs> but but we weren't going to be living together anymore. And I was I had kind of resigned myself. Maybe this is what it's going to be like, and I don't want that. And because I wanted something permanent, <laughs> you know, for, for life. And and so I and had given me. up on on actual dating or anything. But I wanted to have a drink, and I wanted to have it in a friendly place. And I thought, ah, oh, there won't be anybody there at the frat house until eleven o'clock because it never got busy until eleven o'clock. So I'll go there and have a drink and I'll go home. And so when I walked in, I got my drink and I'm drinking and I look around and there's like 12 people in the whole bar. But he was one of them. <laughs> and I could sit here drinking by myself or I could go talk to that nice looking man over there. <laughs> so I walked over to say hi and he gave me a cold shoulder. Like he wasn't at all interested and, and I just thought he was being rude. And so I went back to the bar. And then like 20 minutes later or so, um, I go to the men's room when I came out. He was playing pinball, 
and I'm a pinball fanatic. I love pinball games. So I stopped to watch him play pinball. And I gave him a pointer to about playing the game and whatever. And as he told me later, after we chatted for a minute, he thought, oh, he's not so bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. And, so. Uh, and so we went home that night and we've been together ever since. <laughs> really? It's been that long? Well, we dated for yeah. a year. But, but yeah, I we mean, dated a year. Yeah, I, I didn't move in. <laughs> no, no, you're not lesbians for crying <laughs> So... How did you tell the girlfriend that, you know, it's over and uh, I, I met a <laughs> six foot four? <laughs> I started dropping hints and started coming out as bisexual. And I, I told her that. And I knew that we were getting deeper and deeper. And, and I felt really, you know, in a catch 22 kind of situation. And I didn't want to hurt her at all and but it was like you know if I continue that it'll be a lie it'll be a disaster you know what if we have kids or something and we I thought we were pregnant at one point oh we scared the hell out of me but if it had been the case if she had been pregnant I would have been a daddy and yeah. we would have probably gotten married and I would have been a closeted married man getting caught down the road and ruining her life my kids life and so on and um, so I, I was grateful that she wasn't pregnant, <laughs> but then that was another reality eye opener that uh, that I had to deal with the situation. So Deacon was kind of showering me with um, gifts and trips and love and. So instead of being a daddy, you were like, "Hey, well, yeah, I got a daddy." Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't like to be gone. I think well, I think it's, I think it's daddy is what uh, they say now, but anyway. Because there's 13 years difference yeah. in our age, and uh, so yeah, we, we even had problems with our some of our friends that would think, you know, what do you okay. see in that old man? And we both had problems. And, you know, what, my friends would say, what do you see some, in somebody so so young or so flighty and you know whatever? Mm -hmm. and why would you go with somebody so young? And he was getting the same thing from the other side. And <laughs> did you both say, have you seen the guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm... Uh, so it was also tough when I had moved to Washington uh, after a year of dating and you know I broke it off finally with my girlfriend um, and competing with this guy on with politics in the bookstore because uh, at first I did not want to go to work for him at all. It's like I've got to have my own independence yeah. here. But um, I did and I learned the business from the ground up. Um, I became vice president of retail operations by the time we had moved to uh, Connecticut Avenue and we had opened our second, our first branch store. Um, and then we were quite the powerhouse, although we in, were involved in politics and we went to a lot of fundraisers. <laughs> One week there was like five of them in a row and you know I had a little name tag that said, hello, my name is. And I, man came up to me and he said, oh, you look familiar, who are you? And I said, I'm Jim Bennett and I work for Lender Rising. Deacon McCubb is my boyfriend. And he said, oh, is Deacon here? And he went running off. Oh, I thought, what the hell is going on here, you know? So the next evening <laughs> at a political fundraiser, we had the little name tags and I wrote Mrs. McCubbin. Hello, my name is Mrs. McCubbin. It's, it's like, <laughs> I am a force to be reckoned with if you do not want to piss me off. You know? <laughs> yeah, I felt like I had to 
declare my territory, yes. so to speak, and yeah. that I wasn't a you know a fly by night little twink that was uh, dating Deacon McCubbin, you know, Mr. Popular, Coupon <laughs> Circle, or the bookstore. You know, so. uh, this is so funny because my um, husband, there's 14 years between us, and he's six four, I'm five six, <laughs> and Wonderful. he he is. Um, the joke was his initials used to be RBF and it was accurate because the look on his face resting bitch face was quite accurate <laughs> and we were at town and this guy came up and gave me a big hug like Jimmy and it was like one of our first dates and the look that Richie my husband gave this guy I and when um, the guy left left I said Richie you can't do that people know me like I people are going to come up to me it doesn't mean I slept with that guy. Have you, have you slept with that guy? And I'm like, well, yes. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, it doesn't mean that. That's not going to happen every time. What surprises you more? That gay marriage is legal? That you now can't fire people for being gay, lesbian, trans? Or that marijuana is pretty much legal? What surprises you the most of those three things? Uh, well, I don't know why marijuana hasn't been legal for many, many decades already. That's number one. Uh, I think probably gay marriage actually surprised me more than anything else because of how quickly it occurred. Uh, you, I, if you had told me back when I started the store in 74 or started Pride in 75 or any of the other years in the 70s, 80s, even 90s, that we were going to have gay marriage legal in, in, uh, in America that quick, I would not not have believed it. I mean, I, I was blown away. I'm so happy it happened. But I, you asked me for almost two years to marry you. Even yeah, that's before. right. We we dated for two years. We dated for a year, and then he moved in. And uh, let's see, you and we lived together for a year, and then by the third year, I said, Jimmy, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm really serious. This is not a joke. And furthermore, there's only two answers you can give. <laughs> You can say yes, or you can say not today. No, it's not an acceptable answer. <laughs> and I said, will you marry me? And he laughed just like that. <laughs> he laughed. Because, I mean, then he knew I was, then he knew I was serious. serious but at the, said, time, at the time, it would be like saying, do you want to go to Mars? Yeah, kind of, yeah. exactly. You know? but, uh, so he sobered up a little bit, and then he said, uh, not today. Ask me again tomorrow. I said, okay, fine. And my God, he asked me for every day, almost every day for, for two, two years. years. And I when I finally said yes, I really didn't even hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I waited. Well, I waited two weeks, and then he was asking me again. I finally said I had already said yes. <laughs> you didn't know it. I had to make him wait. And then there was the wedding plan, and this was '82, so there wasn't. But it wasn't I, a wedding. I, I mean, it was a wedding, but it wasn't a uh, marriage. So. I did ask him almost every day for two years, yeah. and there's something to be said for perseverance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After a while, I said, you can say not today, but, you know, maybe someday. Maybe someday, but not today. That would be okay, too. And so he'd say that for a while. And eventually he said, yes. I never thought that gay marriage would come about. I, I didn't have the vision for it, I guess. I didn't think I it would come about in our lifetime. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. I knew it would happen, but not in our lifetime. Why do you think it went so fast? I think all the pieces of the puzzle on that particular era came together. And it took 
so many different types of people throughout our uh, nation and world to bring it all together for us. And I think it finally just came together because of, of the hard work that everyone did. And also primarily because our opponents didn't have any lack rational arguments. So how did your family take it when you told them? My mother had passed away. Uh, my father did not like the fact that I was gay. Uh, we didn't like, or he didn't like to talk about it. He didn't want to hear about it. He didn't approve of it. Uh, in every other way, he was a wonderful guy. He was a great father. But for eight years, we would talk on the phone, maybe once every month or two, I'd pick the phone up and call him, and we would talk on the phone, and we'd have very nice conversations. And eventually he'd get around to saying, uh, what, what you been up to lately? And I'd say, well, I'm running a gay bookstore. <laughs> 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 or, uh, oh, I met this new guy. Or, you know, yeah. And he would change the subject. He would want to talk about things. He would just change the subject. Well, finally, after, I guess it was after seven or eight years, he said, why don't you come home for, for a visit for Christmas? You haven't been here for a long time. We'd like to see you again. And I was very touched. I said, that'd be wonderful. I'd love to do that. But I was planning on spending Christmas with my boyfriend. Is it okay if I bring him along? Well, no, I don't think that would be a very good idea. You know, the neighbors might talk. And I said, listen, Dad, you wouldn't tell my sister to come and leave her husband at home. Mm -hmm. When my boyfriend's welcome, I'll feel welcome. We dropped it there, talked about other things, hung up, and that was it. A year went by, he did the same thing again. He invited me home for Christmas. I said, I told him, remember what I told you? When my boyfriend's welcome, I'll feel welcome. He said, well, come on down. Bring him, up, bring him with you. You can have the guest room. Then it was like, oh, my God, we got to meet the guest room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, we got to meet the folks. I had to get He was scared of that. <laughs> His dad turned out to love me. I mean, as soon we, as they we hit it off, immediately we were talking, we were doing all kinds of things, uh, watching this or playing this game or something. He was a really See, wonderful man. My stepmother, he remarried since then, and my stepmother explained that um, until he met him, Jim was just this homosexual with stay right, with my exactly. son up in yeah. Washington. And then when he met him, he was a nice guy, and oh, I all like this guy, you know. He's so all it took was meeting him. It, it, That's all it took. But that had to be meaningful to you, that you developed this relationship with his yeah, dad. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really stressful, of course. It's stressful for anybody, yeah. even for a heterosexual couple that's dating or something, but it was really, really stressful for us. But we get there, and it turned out to be okay. You know, he got to know me, and I was glad that we hit it off so well. His his uh, new wife was wonderful. Um, she was really responsible for doing it. And she kept telling, she told my father over and over again, he's your son and you love him. Why don't you yeah, just get over it? Right, exactly. <laughs> so it made a huge difference that you guys kind of, you know, were better in a better place mm -hmm. in your lives. And uh, I know that, like with my father, you know, he didn't approve, but we had come to an agreement and we had buried the past. We didn't have any issues. And his, is, mo his mother was cool. Yeah. His mother was really cool. The first time I ever met his mother, we went to the country, uh, London Dale, I guess it was. Lexington Park. Uh, Lexington Park. Park. Okay. Where? We went to Lexington Park and we took her to lunch one day. And I don't know that she knew that we were actually dating at that one. I don't remember that. I think she knew. Yeah, okay. she knew that we were. Uh, but anyway, at one point, Jimmy got up and left to go to the men's room. And I'm sitting there across from, across from her, and I said, 
you did a wonderful job of raising your son. He turned into a really wonderful man. She said, well, I hope so. I tried my best. I love him very much. And I said, yes, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> she broke up a big relationship. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> Jim, who was the first person that you told that you were gay? Uh, my girlfriend, Rachel. Um, who was, we've been best friends ever since the seventh grade. Uh, I consider her to be family. I mean, I'm like an adopted son in their family. Uh, I've lived with them. We celebrate Christmas together, and uh, Rachel's a nurse, and I knew that I could tell her. Uh, it was tough. <laughs> and when I finally said the word that I'm, you know, the words that I'm gay, she said, well, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is that all you wanted to tell me? And it's like, okay, don't make light of this situation, okay? <laughs> you know, I'm sweating here. We're about to pee my pants for crying out loud, you know? And, but that was her, that she loved me no matter what. And, you know, she told her mom almost immediately, which her mom and I are really close to as well. But it's like, why did you tell her? You know, this is secret information. <laughs> uh, but, you know, her, her mom's comment was, it's going to be tough. And I got to prove that it was tough, but it was still all right. And you were tough enough. And I was tough <laughs> enough, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I didn't take any shit. <laughs> you taught me to be very strong in, in my feeling and owning it, basically. Because it's tough. It's, it's still tough for, for people, you know. Um, even as far as we've come, there's still people, uh, men and women, boys and girls, that are, that are still struggling with it and you know we have a huge um suicide, suicide rates yes Sorry. just really <laughs> you know this is um something near and dear to my heart i uh was out at late 35, and I always joked that uh, anybody who needed to know knew, mm -hmm. you know. And the reason was I, my career, broadcaster, I would never right. have been hired originally in 97, mm -hmm. right now, right. Right I would never have been hired to work here in D.C. And that was a family radio station. I was always concerned. I didn't want what Roy Cohn said, well, you got to worry about the kids, you know, that right. bullshit. But what <clears throat> happened was the opposite when I came out listeners um, did what Harvey Milk said they would do. They associated me with their son, their daughter, mm -hmm. their brother or sister, mm -hmm. and they were happy that I was on the air living a life that was not a cliche. I wasn't playing a character right. who was gay. I'm Jimmy who is gay, not gay Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And in that time, it has meant the world to me that parents or, or kids have reached out and, and brought it up. But the most meaningful thing I've done in my career is the podcast Out With Jimmy where people tell me they're coming out stories. Mm -hmm. And this will be painful to both of you because it's going to be a compliment. Um, so many people I've interviewed have talked about wanting to die, mm -hmm. talked about friends who have died, talked about their families not speaking to them, throwing them out. But when I asked them when was the first time you felt proud to be gay, they talk about Capital Pride. They talk about the Pride Festival. Um, the photographer at uh, the Washington Blade said going to Atlanta Rising that he knew 
he wasn't alone. And I talked to one kid. The first kid I talked to, his parents were um, missionaries. Oh, wow. And he works. I, this is going to sound crazy. He works at um, Chick-fil-A now. <laughs> and that's where he came out in Manassas. And he came out to a lesbian co-worker. And I'm like, what is that, Capital Pride Chick-fil-A? I mean, <laughs> but he said that his parents told him there were not many people like him. And so he thought there were maybe hundreds around the world. And he said the moment he got off Metro and he saw the festival, he <laughs> says, I'm not alone. And that's what the two of you helped create. And I know that it is, you'll want to say, like, because you're modest, and you'll want to say, no, 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 but think you were part of that. And, and a whole lot of other people. And I, know, I understand <laughs> that, but they're not here. You're here right now, Deacon, so take the compliment. I know it's painful. I know it is. When I think of the two of you, I think of only happy things. So many people became okay with being gay or lesbian or trans because of the hard work that you two have done all of these years. And for that, speaking for the gays, which, you know, straight people always ask you the question like you're answering for, and I always say, well, at the meeting last week, we, all decided, we decided to not let you know what poppers are. But anyway, that's our <laughs> But it is such an important part of our community. And to it's know an honor, actually, especially for what being there on the front lines every day. That was, I'm, for 35 years, I had the most incredible job in the world. I went to work happy every morning, knowing that whatever I did that day was going to make a difference in people's lives. It did. Along yeah. the way. They did. You can't get a better job than that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. Well, they, I think that one of the best compliments somebody can give anybody is that you left the world a better place. And the two of you did. And I know, again, you won't want to say a lot of other people did too. But um, we're, we're, so we are celebrating the 45th anniversary of the Pride Festival in Washington, D.C. Tell us how it began. We had opened the store in 74. And you had a bookstore? The bookstore, Lando Rising Bookstore. And uh, in, I guess it was in April or so, uh, of the following year, there were a bunch of people over at my house and we were having a party. We were getting high and, you know, having a good time. And, uh, <laughs> it's 420. Well, sure. 420, <laughs> I, yeah. And, and uh, we were talking about going to New York because the previous year we had gone to New York. Or every year we had been going to New York. I had been going there since 71 each year, having a wonderful time at the Pride Parade in New York. But somebody said, you know, why do we always go to New York? Why don't we do something here in Washington? Just let's do, do something. And I thought, wow, that's a wonderful idea. I was stoned at the time, remember? <laughs> but wow, what a wonderful idea. Let's do it. And the next day I talked to a friend and said, he, I knew he was out of work. And I said, uh, I'll pay you a few hundred dollars if you'll come in and help me organize this thing and let's let's see what we can do. And so we started printing up flyers and putting out word to all the LGBTQ organizations in the in the area, letting them know that they could come and have a table there, no charge, just set it up. And we we uh, got uh, Woman Sound to come do the um, uh, provide the amps for the music and the microphones and what have you. And we set up a little stage in the middle of the street in front of the bookstore. And we sat back and waited for people to come. And um, 
Well, I think we I think we were supposed to start at two in the afternoon then, and like at quarter to two or so, there was almost nobody there. <laughs> it was almost an empty street. There were maybe ten or twelve people there. That was it. And my friend was had had uh, been helping me put it together. He says, "Oh, my, this is going to be a disaster. Nobody's going to come." And I said, "Don't worry. They're all in gay time. They'll be here." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by quarter past two, there were two thousand people on the on the street. <laughs> it was it was incredible. Um, what was that like? Uh, <laughs> you know, you you just get such a charge. It's like going to an amusement park in a way. I mean, taking a roller coaster ride or something. You, we got such a charge out of seeing so many people having such a wonderful time, dancing in the streets, music going. Our next door neighbor at the bookstore was a woman named Miss Hamilton, Louise Hamilton. She was a grandmotherly looking woman, white hair. Uh, she used to like to sit out on her porch and watch the street traffic go by. And so she's sitting out there on her porch watching the party go on. And the news media had to get her mm -hmm. opinion, you know. What do you think about all, all these people, all these gay people out here dancing in front of, in front of your home? She says, Lord, I'm loving it. It's just wonderful. They're having such a good time, and I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a fan. <laughs> she was very much a fan. We found out later that she used to go to New York, uh, to, to uh, Atlantic City uh, with, her, with her girlfriends to a party up there. She wasn't lesbian, but she, she had known gay people all her life, and that was cool. <laughs> well, that is the thing that amazes me as I look back and think about how brave it was to be out and and you know we just got the the supreme court just said that we can't be fired for being gay last week yeah. so it's been a long time right. but there were times where coming down to um a festival like that somebody could lose their job absolutely yeah and um their life could be ruined by being uh, thought to be gay well we had to make sure that the news media the tv cameras especially and also the photographers uh were told where they could take pictures and where they couldn't. And then from the stage, we would tell people, the photographers and the, and the news crews will be taking pictures on this side of the street. If you do, if you want to have your picture taken, go over there. And if you don't, stay over here. I mean, <laughs> and people would just separate. You know, some people would go one way and some people would go the other way. And, uh, and that's the way we were And the news out. media wasn't always so kind. No. I mean, they were always looking for the sensationalized part of our community. Uh, flamboyant yeah perhaps and one time at a pride festival that was at uh, Peachtree Beach I, I confronted a news media person about that because I had been watching their coverage yeah. on previous uh, festivals and they tended to show our, you know our outrageous side which yeah I adore and I, I called her on it and I said you know you don't interview people like me you know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm just in a tank top and shorts, but, yeah, you know. The jockstrap and boa, that's who, right, who exactly. made it on yeah. television. You know, so that's what they were showing. It's like, you know, you're not showing all of our community. And, you know, and, that, and that's wrong. And she thought about it for a moment and said, well, are you available for an interview? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> you know, I have to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> but I consider all of this steps and parts of a puzzle that brought it together yeah I mean it was it was dicey for some people it was dicey for us I mean we were we were getting publicity that we had never had before because we were having this big celebration right in front of our store and their store was intermittently linked with it 
Um, we had windows broken. We had uh, death threats, death bomb threats, threats. And bomb threats, and stuff like that. Uh, during, all during the seventies and eighties and what have you. Um, but you know, you're doing something right when things like that happen. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and also, the more visible we became, that when we started coming out to parents and friends to coworkers, we were then visible. We were everyone's being counted and it was tough getting people across that line that was a very tough line because you could lose your job you could lose your family you could be kicked out of your home uh lose your job the whole bit when did you realize how important the festival was uh, how the, long did it take the, the first day we held one i mean there was there was no doubting it people were just ecstatic um it was giving people courage uh, to, to be themselves, just just to be themselves. And uh, at that moment, that's when we knew it was going to be an annual thing. I mean, we, we had to do an annual thing, no question. Were you ever scared when having your, your, your business, the bookstore, uh, windows broken, threats, bomb threats? I was annoyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but no, I'm not really scared. It took um, a lot to intimidate us. It really did, especially you. <laughs> I'm serious. We didn't take any crap. <laughs> we just didn't take any crap, you know. Well, you had to do this. I mean, and and that shocked a lot of people, I think, because you know you could be easily threatened, and but when you start fighting back, all of a sudden, it's a, they they really start to think twice that uh, we're not such sissies as they yeah. make us out to be. You know, <laughs> well, you're a tall man. <laughs> How tall are you? Six three. I was six three. I'm six two now. <laughs> yeah, one five six. So you could tell me uh, six foot nine, and I would have believed a short man. Um, so when you would get these threats, when you would call the police, did you get response from them, or was yeah. it? Uh, the police were pretty good generally. Mm -hmm. um, they did respond. I, we always approached it from the standpoint of, hey, we know we're right, and yeah. therefore you're going to do this. You know, okay. that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, we were confident of that, and the police generally were very, very responsive. I mean, when we had bomb threats, they brought the dogs, they went through the whole building and all mm -hmm. that. I, I, I don't really have any strong complaints about the police in general. One, once or twice here or there, there were little problems. More problems were like, we had to fight with the Washington Post um, because they didn't want us to use the word gay or lesbian in their classified ad. Really? Yeah. Because it, it wasn't Craigslist for Christ's sakes. I mean, it, I mean that's what it seems like. They we were, were trying to hire uh, to hire people to work in a gay and lesbian bookstore. We wanted to make sure that that they had gay and lesbian uh, uh, knowledge, you know, knowledge of gay and lesbian literature. And the association with the word gay meant sex to the outside yeah. people. They and that, didn't see it as a lifestyle. They didn't see it. They only saw it as people having sex. You know. Do you think it's still that way? For people who are not as much anymore. I'm saying for people who are not accepting to gays and lesbians and they're yeah, just homophobic. Yeah. I mean, and, and ignorant. Um, they've chosen to feel that way and, and continue to feel that way. But a lot of, I think it, that's really gone by the wayside more so now than ever. And now that we're out and visible and they see us in everyday life and they know that we're not having sex behind closed doors constantly, twenty four seven. You know. And a lot of those who are homophobic <laughs> are simply unable to haven't not yet figured out how to deal with their own sexuality and, and we find that sometimes the more homophobic somebody is 
generally there is a skeleton in their closet somewhere along the line, and some of our worst enemies sometimes have been closeted people. Politicians, preachers, especially preachers, <laughs> you know, and it was all conditioning that they learned to hate themselves because of what their peers, their society was telling them at the time. That thing with the Washington Post, by the way, was not unusual. That happened a lot. It happened with Verizon, or it was, I guess, Bell Atlantic, uh, Yellow Pages, the phone book. Uh, it happened with magazines that we wanted to advertise in, and would give us a hard time about doing that. We had to fight a couple of cases. Fortunately, DC has a human rights law and had it at that point. And uh, so we used the human rights law to uh, take them to court, not court, but take them to a hearing. And, and we won every single time, so. <laughs> when did things change? Where it was, uh, the Pride Festival was accepted by the city and Mayor Barry started showing up, when, when did? Well, the, you know, I, I don't remember which year it was that Mayor Barry showed up. But I would think it was one of the early years. I'm pretty sure it was one of the early years. I know that the very first um, Pride that we had in 1975, uh, John Wilson, who was the Board 2 council member, brought a proclamation declaring it Gay Pride Day in, in Washington and presented it on the podium. On the podium. Again, you had some stroke even back then to be able to get the uh, a proclamation like that. That doesn't, that's well, not easy to get. It wasn't guaranteed, but it wasn't hard. Uh, we had the support of most of the council when that proclamation was introduced. And for that matter, when this, this is a little off topic, but when we first decided to have Pride Day in 75, the first thing we had to do was get permission to use the block. To do that, you have to take a petition around and get signatures of at least 50% plus one of the people who live or, or have businesses on the block. We had no idea whether that was gonna be possible or not. We didn't know. <laughs> how many, do you remember how many signatures that was? Everybody that we asked but one signed without hesitation. Oh, that's And that told me that we were in a great neighborhood. <laughs> that was number one. Also, when, we, when our windows were broken out the first time or two, the business owners in the immediate uh, neighborhood pitched in and donated money to repair the, the windows. So, because they wanted to make sure that we knew that they welcomed us. That was important. Yeah. And they must have loved having gay business owner there because we're gonna keep the neighborhood clean. I think anybody knows that. We're gonna make sure it looks nice. <laughs> um, well, businesses were prospering I mean, all around us. I mean, when we came on the scene, other businesses were coming. I mean, DuPont Circle was vibrant. It was hopping. It was a, it, it was a money maker for a lot of people. Uh, that why, do you think, there. why do you think DuPont Circle is so associated with gay and lesbian and trans? Why, what about DuPont Circle is special? It had always been, well, I won't say always, but as long, as far back as I know the history, it had been a center of uh, left activity, left-wing activity. The anti-war movement was headquartered all around DuPont Circle, also to some degree over at uh, Scott Circle, um, or Logan Circle. But uh, particularly in DuPont Circle, people used to come to DuPont Circle with their backpacks and camp out there. I mean, that, all the kids would come in for, for demonstrations. And DuPont Circle was the place they would go. Plus, uh, there were lots of larger, older homes back then 
that could be rented relatively cheaply. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it was, it was a place for students, it was a place for artists, mm -hmm. it was a place for the Gay Liberation Front, had a house there on that street. Um, so there were, there was that culture uh, all around in the, in the bloodstream of everybody in, mm -hmm. in DuPont Circle. Even though there were also mansions there, you know, yeah. there were really incredibly nice places that were really, really expensive. But it was a good mix. Now Capitol Pride has the, the parade, and the next day is always the festival. Now, 45 years ago mm -hmm. this year, um, this month, um, we're celebrating. And um, when you look how large it has grown, how does that make you feel? It makes me very proud <laughs> to some part of it. I mean, I'm, it's amazing. Uh, I love mm -hmm. being there. I, I have trouble walking very far now. I'm really, my mobility is drastically reduced so I can't really march in the parade I can ride in the parade I love doing that yeah I've seen you many times in the uh, in the car that's always nice yeah in the convertible uh, the when people that gay people that come to the festival and come to the parade uh, it's a sense of community um, it's a sense of, of being it's uh, it, it, it's community it's family it's it's others like me and, and, I, and I am rarely in a crowd that large where there are so many smiles, where people are having such a wonderful time uh, celebrating. It is a celebration. I mean, we always said the Lambda Rising was the bookstore that celebrates the gay and lesbian experience. And Pride was the celebration of that experience as well. When you look at your life, uh, Deacon, you've been fighting for the good fight, on the good side, for such a long time. Whether it's anti-war, whether it's for um, gay rights, lesbian rights, uh, trans rights, um, justice for African Americans, where have you found the strength after, I'm sure, being attacked, having your business attacked, bomb threats? How did you keep fighting? Um, I think Dr. Kameny once said something about, uh, I wish I could get a quote right, and I'm not going to get it right. But there was something about he would argue with people, and if they saw it his way, that was fine. And if they didn't, then they were wrong and he was right. <laughs> 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 and this, a piece of that in me, it's like, I think, I try to be right, and I think usually I have been right. And, uh, and if you're right, then you have the courage of your conviction and you just go, you move forward. The thing that, in a way, taught me, it was not the straight person that taught me this, okay? Not a friend, but I had gone up to a uh, craft show up in, near Binghamton, New York. And I was in Bing Binghamton, New York one Friday night, and I wanted to go someplace, and I looked up on the Dameron's Guide, and it said there was a mixed bar someplace, and so I went there, and it wasn't really mixed. It was, as far as I could tell, completely heterosexual, but but it was okay. It had They had cold beer and good music on the jukebox and so that was fine and I was having a good time and I started playing pinball pinball comes up a lot um, and some kids came over and started playing with me the kids I say they're 20 or something like that and um, one of them said they were hungry and they want to go next door to the pizza parlor and so do we want to go and I said sure yeah so we went out next door to the pizza parlor ordered some pizzas sat down at this long community table and eating a pizza and chatting and learning about their life in Binghamton and what have you. 
And this guy who was about six foot four or five, uh, I don't like stereotypes, but this guy had a red neck. Okay? <laughs> uh, big, beefy guy. And he was obviously a little bit tipsy. Comes staggering over and plops himself down on the table right across from me. And he's staring at me, and I couldn't figure out why he was staring at me. Finally, he says, what's that? Pointing to around my neck. And I realized, oh, I, have, I had a gold chain on my neck and a lambda dangling off the mm -hmm. end of it that my boyfriend at the time had given me. And uh, what's that? And I go, oh, it, uh, it, and I'm looking at this guy, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh God. But no, I promised myself I'd never lie. So I said, it's a, it's a lambda, it's a Greek letter L, it's a gay liberation symbol. My boyfriend gave it to me. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, what? <laughs> what are you saying? What, are you queer or something? <laughs> I said, well, I prefer the word gay, but yeah. <laughs> he turns to the guys that I had just met. I don't know at all. Are you guys queer too? No. You know, you know. Yeah. Um, for the next 10 or 15 minutes, he tries to convince me that I'm really just pulling his leg. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gay. Oh, bullshit. No, you're not. And finally, after 10 or 15 minutes, he sat back down. He, no, he didn't sit me down. After 10 or 15 minutes, he jumped up out of his chair. He says, I don't know whether you're telling me the truth or not, but all I got to say is, you got a lot of nerve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you just have to do what's right and hope that things go okay. Yeah. And in that case, it did. So, how about you, Jim? You've been right there with him. And um, something tells me you're more the one who's going to lose her temper. Uh, <laughs> yes. You have a short fuse. Get yeah. your hands off my man! <laughs> <laughs> Do, are yeah. you the one, have you had this conversation, uh, Deacon, where Jim says to you, he's taking advantage of you. <laughs> have you heard that before? No. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, like... My brother's a... You know, I've told you that, but... <laughs> oh, my God, really? <laughs> and you married up. <laughs> um, I was on my knees at the time, but... <laughs> True. Uh, at any rate, yes, yes. So, you've been right there with him. You've been yeah. in the fight. How have you kept your strength? Um, together, he's been a real in my life, my husband, um, who's helped to teach me to keep my cool and not lose my temper <laughs> and not take any shit. Um, and many times, you know, you had to have a cool head in order to deal with situations that were out of control and when you were being threatened. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad I have five brothers because you learn to defend yourself. <laughs> Fighting back and standing your ground, stand your damn ground. Because it matters. We live in a kind of a cruel world still, where a lot of hate still happens for whatever reason. And we've got a lot of haters in politics and, and life. And, you know, and I just really want people to be. They should be strong and know that they're part of a community. And that it matters. <laughs> it's okay. I don't want to cry. Yeah. Trying to be a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love you just the way you it's are. Just, yeah. just the way you are.
Well, <laughs> I want to thank you both so much. This means the world to me. I, um, I, when I first met you guys, I was like, I am so happy I met the two of them. Do you know what they did? And I've told so many people about it, and it means a lot to me, and I know it means so much to millions of people, and that is not hyperbole. Millions of people that you two have made to feel normal. Thank you. Well, you're carrying on the spirit of Lambda Rising. Uh, our spirit was to tell the stories of LGBT people. Um, spread those stories everywhere, and you're doing that. That's high praise from Deacon. I want to thank Deacon McCuban and Jim Bennett for not only being here with us on Out With Jimmy, but everything that they have done for our community. Thank you to Julia Ziegler and WTOP for allowing us to do um, Out With Jimmy with them. And thank you to Julia Ziegler and WTOP for everything they've done for us here on Out With Jimmy. And I want to say one last time, happy Pride. And remember, you'll never know when the last time you'll be able to tell somebody you love them. So go ahead and do it.